Hi, I'm Pastor Robbie Barrett, and I want to take this time to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to a life-changing word from God. And I pray that as you listen to these podcasts, that it will shape your way of thinking and that you will be walking in the fullness of what God has for you. Now, tonight I'm going to deal with a touchy subject. Some of you may have seen my Facebook post, and I wanted to record this because... You know, I want people to see this on television. I want people to see this on Facebook Live. I want people to hear these things because there is a deception that's going on in the, in the world today, in the church world. I want you to know tonight that I'm not dealing with the world. The world is going to do what they do best, which is what? Sinning. Amen. The world's going to do what they're going to do. I am dealing tonight with a question that some of us wrestle with. Maybe some of us uh, have been asked this. You say, what is that? Is it okay for a believer? What is a believer? Somebody who lives and serves for Jesus Christ, who has Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Is it fitting for somebody who is that, a believer to drink alcohol. We're going to answer this tonight. Now you know me. I love to study. I love to study. I love to study the Greek. I love to study the Hebrew. I love to study things and get as much revelation from the Word of God that I can get. I love those things. So you know tonight that I'm not going to give you a shallow answer. Somebody say amen. I'm not going to say, well, you don't need to do it because it's a sin. No, you need to know why. Amen. You need to know why. So I'm going to answer whether it's okay or whether it's not okay. Now, here's the good news tonight. I'm not going to give you my opinion. <clears throat> Isn't that the good news? Because you see, that's, we have limitless supply of people's opinions. Well, bless God, I feel it says this right here. and Bless God, I think, I think you can do this and do that. I'm not going to do that tonight. Tonight, I'm going to give you facts. How many likes to deal with facts? Yeah. I'm going to give you facts, okay? And then you get with God and say, God, you need to show me this. Is this something I need in my life or is this something that I need to stay away from? Now, everybody look at me real quick before we start because this may be the last time you smile. I don't know. (laughs) Just put a big smile on your face. I appreciate everybody being here. And listen, maybe you're in here tonight and you're saying, well, I'm good because, you know, either way, it don't make no difference to me because I don't drink alcohol. Well, guess what? How many has been hit with the question by somebody you're trying to witness to or somebody who's always trying to contradict God? How many has been been hit with that? Well, it's in the Bible, blah, 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 blah. Well, tonight I'm going to give you some good news. Now you got something to fight with. Amen? Now I like how these people get on Facebook and they want to challenge people who don't know diddly squat about the Bible. But you came to the wrong house tonight. Because if there's one thing I, I bank my life on, it's the Word of God. Somebody say amen. How many is ready? I don't know if you're ready or not. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for this word. Lord, I pray that it opens up people's eyes. That, Lord, that we deal with the issues. You know, Father, I thank you that your word is real. So that means that we can deal with real issues that's going on in society and that's going on in the church. And I just thank you tonight, Father, that you don't sugarcoat anything, but you tell it as it is. But you do it through love. And that's what we want to do tonight, Father. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your presence that's in this house tonight. And whom you have set free, somebody help me, is free indeed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs 21. I'm going to get a little sip real quick. Proverbs 21. I want to teach us tonight. I'm not here to preach. I'm here to teach. Read this with me. It says wine is a what? Strong drink is what? 
And whosoever is deceived thereby is not what? Wise. Now, how many knows what the word alcohol stands for? Besides you. Now watch this right here. Let me give you a little bit of background history before I start into my message. The word alcohol was an Arabic word, which, mean al, which meant alcohol. Do you know what that meant? Listen to this. Body-eating spirit. That sounds bad already. The word alcohol, in its original form, stood and meant a body-eating spirit. Later on, the English derived a word from that, which meant goal. How many's ever heard of that? Goal. Which was an evil, it was believed to be an evil demon that went around and, and preyed on human flesh. Are y'all getting this? Listen to some statistics. That's just a little bit of background. Listen to statistics about alcohol. Listen to this. This is going to shock you. 88,000 people die each year in the U.S. from alcohol-related causes. 88,000. It is the third highest preventable cause of death in the United States. It is the cause of 3.3 million deaths in the entire world. So we went from 88,000 to 3.3 million deaths worldwide from nothing else but alcohol. How many has ever heard of fatal al or fetal alcohol syndrome? What is that? It is caused by drinking alcohol while you are pregnant. Listen to this. Back in 1992, the percentage of birth defects caused by this was 0 .05, or, uh, 0.5 to 3.0 per thousand cases. Watch this. But now in recent years, guess what the number is? 20 to 50 cases per thousand. Let this hit home tonight. Two-thirds of victims of spousal domestic violence, two-thirds of them, state that the perpetrator had been drinking alcohol. Those are just some statistics. I could be here all night giving you statistics. In this message tonight, I'm going to prove that any type of alcoholic drink does not belong in the Christian home. I'm going to prove it tonight. I'm not going to give you my opinion I'm going to prove to you. Now, some will disagree with me. Now, watch this. But I'm going to give you the natural facts as well as the spiritual side to drink it. So tonight, I'm going to explain to you the natural repercussions, and I'm going to explain to you the spiritual repercussions. Because do not be deceived tonight. You have repercussions of both of them. You may be doing a fleshly thing, but let me tell you something. You are causing something to happen in the spirit realm also. Now listen to this. There are 627 references to drinking in the Bible. 627 references. It's one of the most talked about topics in all of the Bible, drinking. Now guess what? Only three of them come into question on whether you should drink or not. The rest of those, you know what they are? Warning after warning. Advising you, don't drink alcohol because it's a mocker. I just read it to you. Wine is a mocker. Another scripture says it's like a serpent that bites you. It will turn around and bite you. Another place, listen, another place, it talks about how it becomes debauchery unto you. You say, what is that? I'm going to explain that here in a minute. People, here's the argument that people make. Are you ready? Number one, the, the number one argument is, it's in the Bible, right? Oh, I can have one or two drinks. and don't make no difference because it's in the Bible. What's the second one? You ready? Jesus turned water into wine. So, hey, man, if Jesus is all right with it, 
Hey, it must be okay, right? And what's the third one? Paul advised Timothy to drink wine for health reasons. He encouraged him, right? Paul said, Timothy, drink some wine for your stomach's sake. So, hey, it must be okay, right? Well, guess what? I'm going to deal with those three right there, those three things that people come at you every time with. I'm going to deal with those tonight. Because by the end of the message, you're going to get a clear view on drinking. What I want to do tonight is I do not want you to walk out of these doors saying, Man, I'm still wrestling with this. Is it all right or is it not? Is, is it something that it's harmless if I, if I can control myself? Or is it something that I just need to clearly stay away from? Tonight, you're going to get a clear answer. Somebody say amen. John, go to John 2. It says, Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. We're going to deal with this one with Jesus first. And they said, Fill them up to the brim. And He said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew what whence it was, but the servants which drew the water did know, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when the men have well drunk, then that which is worse is brought forth. But you have kept the good wine until now. So here's the argument that most people make. Hey, you can say whatever you want to say, but let's, let me tell you something. You can't get around the fact that Jesus turned water to wine, right? Well, I got something for you tonight. This is most people's defense, right? But I want you to hear something real quick. In number 6... Uh, verse, or chapter 6, verse 1 through 21, it states about the Nazarite vow. How many has ever heard of that? The Nazarite vow. One of the stipulations of the vow was you were forbidding to drink intoxicating liquors. In the Levitical priesthood, how many has ever heard? Come on, the Levitical priesthood. Those that were in charge of operating in the temple. In Leviticus 10.9, it states a commandment not to drink wine or strong drink when you go into the tabernacle or you would die. So here God says, if any of my priests are drinking strong drink or, or wine and they enter into my tabernacle doing this, they're going to be killed immediately. Now, so watch this. If Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, how many believes that? Why? Because He said so, right? He said, I am the fulfillment of the law. I didn't do away with it. I've come to make it whole. If Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, are you going to stand here and tell me that He would be assisting everyone at the wedding to get drunk? Would that not be contradiction to what I just read to you in Numbers and Leviticus? Here you would have a priest... Assisting people to get drunk? I'm not done yet. Watch this. So what did Jesus turn the water into? That's what we need to know, right? You hear some people say, well, it was this, it was that. It wasn't really wine, it was this. You hear other people say, well, the Greek word... Uh, Oinos declares, that, and that, that word oinos means that it's a fermented drink. You hear people declare this? Well, we're going to find out. Listen to this right here. Here's a historical reference. Professor Sam Lee states this right here. The Greek for wine is yayin, meaning thick syrup, unfermented jam, produced by boiling grapes. It was stored in new wineskin to prevent fermentation, which was considered, you ready, the best wine. Is that not what the governor said? You have saved the best wine for last. People don't do that. Let's go to the next one. Author Horace from 65 AD states this. An unintoxicating wine is the best wine. So wine that is not filled with alcohol is the best wine. 
filtered wine does not inflame the brain or infect the mind and is pleasant to the taste. Aristotle states this, in the Romans times, there was a wine called glucose. And that word right there is G-L-E-U-K-O-S. Glucose. It would not intoxicate. It was so thick that it had to be stored in new wineskin. How many ever heard Jesus talk about that? Now listen to this. When emptied, it would be dissolved down and made into a succulent grape drink. Wine of Arcadia was so thick it had to be dissolved into a grape bre- a beverage unfermented. So I just read to you right here. What was the good wine? All these guys through history have stated that the good wine was unfermented wine. Meaning it had not turned into alcoholic. It was not intoxicating, but it was sweet. Amen? It was sweet to the taste. It was good. Everybody enjoyed it. This is the wine that was considered new wine. It was the wine that was considered good wine. Just as the governor says right here. Oinos. This is that word. Biblical scholars are agreed that the Septuagint or Greek translation of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word oinos corresponds to the Hebrew word yayin. So, in other words, they're one and the same. People use this argument right here. The, the word that Jesus used for wine right here, or in this text, was oinos, which meant a fermented drink. But what the study shows is that oinos could mean either one. It could mean fermented or unfermented. That it was used interchangeably with the Hebrew word yayin. So listen to this. It corresponds exactly with the Hebrew word yayin. To the argument that oinos always means fermented, you've got to consider the parable of the wineskins. How many's ever heard the wineskins? You don't put it into old wineskins, you put it into new. Why is that? I'm going to show you. Listen to this. The juice would be acted on by yeast from the old wineskins and would begin to foam when they put the wine in there. Now listen to this. Such gases could split any wineskin, but especially an old one. So when Jesus said, you don't put new wine into old wineskins, right? Why? Because history shows that the gases would bust it apart and it would be ruined. It'd be all over the ground, right? The term new wine would be grape juice. It would be a grape aid mode from grape syrup, while old wine, listen to this, would be two to three years old. So maybe you still have this argument. If the wine was just grape juice, then why does the Bible warn time and time again about drinking too much of it, right? Why does it warn this? Why, how can you become drunk on it if it's just grape juice? Now listen to this. For one to think, now listen, many people think that the wine that was in the Bible and the wine today are the same thing is very foolish. They were very different. You say, how are they different? The wine in ancient times was very, very strong. You thought I was going to say weaker, didn't you? No, no, no. It was very strong. Very strong. So strong that watch this. Listen to this. It was so strong that they had to dilute it with water. Mm. Now listen, now listen, it's going to be good. They had to dilute it with water to such a degree. Now listen, most of the time they would mix as much as 20 parts water to one part wine. That's how strong it was. Now listen to this. If you mix three parts of water to one part wine, that was usually considered a no-no. It was frowned upon. Even that right there. If you mixed 
one to one, meaning one part's water and one part wine, that was considered absolutely unacceptable. Or if you just drunk wine without any water, you know what you were considered? A barbarian. Not even a pagan. A barbarian. So even, even the bad dudes was like, man, you see what I'm saying? So nobody in that day, unless you were hardcore, I mean, unless you were rough around the edges and nobody could be around you, were you drinking wine by itself? For most people, do you know what they were doing? They were diluting it with water. Listen to this. <laughs> Professor Robert H. Steen, or Stein, or Steen, however you want to say it, states this right here. Listen, this is good. Now I want everybody to listen. To consume the amount of alcohol that is in two martinis by drinking wine containing three parts water to one part wine, which I told you earlier was what most people wouldn't do. Listen to this. So let's just go with the three to one. If you done that, one would have to drink 22 glasses of martinis to equal the potency. Did y'all hear that? 22 glasses. Some people watching right now might be saying, yeah! But what I'm trying to show you tonight is the difference... Was there a difference? Absolutely. There was a big difference. Why? Because they diluted their wine so that they would not get drunk. 22 glasses of today's alcohol you would have to do. You want you to think about that. 22 glasses of Jesus' kind of wine for you to equal two of today's alcohol. <laughs> now listen to this, it goes on. In other words, it's possible that you could become intoxicated, right? From wine mixed with three parts water to one part uh, wine. But one drinking would probably, affect, it would probably have effects in his bladder long before it affected his mind. Did y'all catch that? You couldn't hold it all. You see what I'm saying? You couldn't hold it all. So to answer the question, did Jesus turn water to wine that you drink today? No. No. So now this whole, this whole uh, advantage we thought we had, oh, Jesus turned water into wine. Yeah, but Jesus turned water into a wine that you don't know anything about. Hello? First Timothy 5:23. We'll deal with the second one. Drink no longer water, Paul says, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. Now here's the other one. If you, if you can't get people with Jesus turning water into wine, then here they'll come at you with this right here. All oh, but Paul encouraged Timothy to drink wine. And I feel that encouragement coming on me. <laughs> Y'all pray for me tonight. So they say it's for health reasons, right? But listen to this. Here's some history information with you. In ancient time, you know what the water was? Terrible. Nasty. Infested. Bad. I can keep going on and on if you want me to. So you know what they would do? For, now, how many knows you've got to have water to live, right? You've got to have water. So they had to do something, didn't they? So what did they do? They would use different things to try to purify the water so that they could drink it. Guess what one of those purifications were? Wine. They would mix a little wine with their water, and guess what? That wine would purify that water so that they could drink it. Notice he says, use a little wine. 
for thy stomach's sake. You know what he was saying? Put some wine into your water. You're drinking this nasty water. It's making you sick. Put a little wine in it for your stomach's sake. So what they would do, they would use different things. They would, they would heat the water. They would do this. But a lot of times, now listen, babies drunk this, small children, women, every person on, the, on planet earth at that time was drinking wine. But they were drinking it with water. Why? Because you've got to have water, right? So here, guess what? So you've got two benefits. You've got the great taste of wine. Now, you know that water didn't taste good. You know it didn't. So you got the great taste of wine, but you've got the water that you needed. So the water was diluting the wine, so you weren't getting drunk. Y'all hear me now. So you weren't getting drunk. And guess what? The wine was helping the water. You were drinking the water and you weren't getting sick. So when Paul says this, this backs up the, the, the evidence that says that wine was mixed with water. This, this right here does not contradict what the Bible says. So we got to find out something. See, many people say, well, here one scripture, God's talking about that wine's a mockery and stay away from it. And then the next month, get, have wine and be merry. What, what's the deal here? There is no contradictions in the Word of God. And there is no contradiction in this verse right here. See, when you know the history of that time, then you understand that they had to have the wine in the water to purify it. So guess what? When water is in the wine, it's diluted. That's why children could drink it and not get tipsy. Hello? Somebody say, so there is no contradiction. So that's the second argument. How about the third? So I've told you, now listen, go to 1 Peter 4, 3. Peter says, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. In other words, he said, There was a time in the past that we lived like heathens. What did we do? We walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine. What kind of excess? I'm talking 22 glasses excess. <laughs> Revealings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. You ever notice when it talks about things of the flesh, things of corruption, things of carnality, drunkenness is always in there? But then we got people going around saying, I love Jesus, but I can get drunk too. You better check yourself. Somebody say amen if you believe that. You better check yourself. Listen to this right here. So I've given you a natural argument, right? I've given you an argument. But now I'm going to show you spiritual facts to this. There's no secret that drinking alcohol affects your thinking, right? You know this. It affects your thinking, your motor skills, your health, listen to this, it increases your risk of liver and heart disease and other forms of cancer and pancreatitis. It distorts your vision, your hearing, your coordination. It alters perceptions and emotions, impaired judgments, bad breath. Who wants that? <laughs> and last but not least, hangovers. But glory to God. Come on. <laughs> but listen to this. Isn't that exactly what Peter is saying? Go to uh, 1 Peter 5.8. Listen to this. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because what? Your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. How is he able to devour you? I read to you all these side effects, and they're not good. All of these issues that go on in your body. What gives the, uh, the, the enemy access to do that? Let me tell you what. You're not in your right mind. 
So you're going to tell me that God approves of something that takes you out of your right mind where you can't think clearly, you can't make clear judgments, it's destroying your body, come on, it's destroying your relationships, it's not just affecting you. That's the biggest lie the enemy's ever told. Oh, it's just affecting you. It's just affecting, it's not hurting nobody else. You better wake up and smell the wine. Because it is affecting people around you. It is affecting your loved ones. It's affecting those that's involved in your life. It is affecting you. And see, Peter says exactly what I just read to you. When you're not sober, the enemy can eat you for lunch. When you're not in your right mind, the enemy can mess with you. He can toy with your emotions. He can make you to come to a place where you just feel like giving up and calling it quits. How? Because you open the door. Oh, but I just have one or two drinks. You know, that's what the alcoholic said. <laughs> What's well, getting quiet? Hold on. Why? Let's deal with something else. Listen to this. Why is it called spirits? How many has ever heard, uh, called uh, alcohol spirits, right? How many has ever heard that? Why? Does anybody ever know why? I'm going to show you. When Middle Eastern alchemists, which meant like medieval time chemists, they were just seeing if something would explode or not. When they drank alcohol... They reported their senses were deadened. And when they saw, and, and this is why when they saw this, they saw it as possessing or body-taking qualities. I want you to hear what I'm saying. So when they drunk this and they seen the effects of alcohol, they said this is possession and body-taking. This is where the Europeans derived the use of the word spirits. <laughs> so while you think you may be doing something harmless, and this is what everybody thinks, well, I just have a few glasses here and there. I, that's all I do. Sometimes at Christmas or sometimes at this and that, I just have a little sip here. It ain't nothing wrong with it. But while you're doing this and you may consider it harmless, let me tell you what you're doing. You're opening up yourself to things that you don't know anything about. Oh, 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 come on. You don't know anything about. And Jude talks about this, how dealing with demonic forces that people, uh, they do it out of foolishness and they don't have a clue what they're dealing with. This is what you do when you're going around and you're drinking alcohol. You are opening yourself up to spirits. That's why it's called spirits. I didn't read to you what I thought. I read you something out of history. That that's why they called it spirits. How it possessed your body. You ever notice that when you're drunk, now not that anybody's been drunk in here or not. Mary, come on. She said the devil is alive. Now listen, 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 listen. Watch this. How many's ever seen somebody drunk? Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Have you ever noticed that their whole personality changes? Ooh. There can be somebody that's so calm and so happy and so nice to people, you let them get drunk and they're ready to fight the wall. Or you got somebody who's angry all the time. Got an attitude. They get drunk. I just love you, man. I, just... I don't know why I'm crying right now, but I'm just crying. So I'm telling you the truth, right? Do you want to know why that is? Because you're being possessed by something you don't know anything about. For it to alter your personality should tell you something should tell you that it's not just something natural, but it's something demonic. I'm trying to tell you something here tonight. That's why it's called spirits. That's why when you get too much of it, 
your personality changes. You begin to do things that normally you would not do. Be sober. Be in your right mind. Because the devil is roaring. He's looking around, seeing who he can devour. He can't devour somebody who's got a sound mind that's standing on the Word of God, that's not riding the fence. No, no, no. He can't devour somebody like that. So what's he got to do? He's got to pull you to a place where you're not in clear judgment. Well, you know, I don't see nothing wrong with this. I don't see nothing wrong with that. See, here's another thing with alcohol. You think it may just be alcoholic effects that you're subjecting yourself to. You know what else you're doing? You're opening doorways for the enemy to attack you in different avenues. It's not just that one door. You're opening the doorway for him to attack you in, to attack you in many different ways. Why is this? Because it is a spiritual matter. The religious world wants to tell you that it's no big deal. Not a big deal. Not a big issue. Nothing wrong with coming home and kicking back and and drinking a cold one. But you see, what you're doing is you're opening yourself up for the enemy to play in your life. (laughs) You ever notice why Paul says, Give no place to the enemy? When you drink alcohol and you do drugs and different things like that, guess what you're doing? You're allowing Him not a place, but places. Ephesians 5.18 He said, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The King James states, Wherein is excess. But you know what the original text says? It says, Be not drunk with wine, which is debauchery. You know what debauchery means? I'm going to tell you. Write this down. Debauchery means extreme indulgence and bodily pleasures. Mm-mm-mm. Listen. Extreme indulgences and bodily pleasures. Behavior involving sex, drugs, and alcohol. So what is this saying? It's saying that when you are given too much wine, when you are given too much alcohol, it creates a pattern in you for debauchery. You say, what does that mean? That means it, it, uh, it puts an attitude in you, always go for more. It may start off with one drink. Then before you know it, you're at five or seven. Before you know it, then it starts affecting your job. Then it starts affecting your family life. Why? Because now you have opened yourself up to a debauchery state, which means extreme indulgences. And I read it to you right here. It wasn't just with drinking. It was with lust. It was with many different things. Gambling. There's all kinds of things. You see, that's what I'm trying to tell you tonight, is that it opens many doors. Listen to this. The statistics say that 65.8% of substance abusers used alcohol as the first substance. My brother Stevie back here, I texted him last night, who, let me remind you, is set free from drugs. Somebody give God some praise. He didn't go through a program... He didn't go through a 12-step. He was set free by the power of God. He submitted himself to God. I've seen him cry tears. I've seen him come in here and fighting. But let me tell you something. He's free. He's not a recovering drug addict. He is free. Woo, that's enough to make you shout. Come on. And I asked him last night. I said, brother, I said, can you give me like a percentage-wise of how many people that, uh, that used drugs that started off with alcohol. He said, I'd say out of ten, I'd say eight. I'm going to pause right there. Eight out of ten people that are now drug addicts started out with, guess what? Just a little drink. 
you still going to defend that it's godly, that it's okay, that there's nothing wrong with it? Because you see, I just read to you. The personality of alcohol makes you indulge extreme indulgences and something more. See, here's one thing I found out. Listen. One thing I found out is that that there are many different avenues that it opens up. Somebody say sin will take you further than you want to go. <laughs> so many, listen to this. Many people, why do they drink? Many people drink to cope with the issues in life. They cope with the depression. They try to cope with the family problem. They try to cope with financial problems. So what do they do? They drown their sorrows in the bottle. The only problem is, is that when the bottle's empty and when the hangover wears off and that wears off, guess what? You're still just as miserable as you were. And yet, listen to this. Statistics say that at least one-third of all who committed suicide met the criteria for alcohol abuse disorder. See, I'm not here to play patty cake tonight. I'm here to deal with this thing head on. One-third of suicides are attributed to alcohol abuse. Why are Christians turning to things that they know that aren't the answer? Like I said, I'm not dealing with the world tonight. This is the only thing that the world can do to cope. But why is the church on antidepressants? Why is the church having to drown their sorrows in a bottle instead of putting all your cares upon Jesus? I said I wasn't going to preach tonight, but I can't help myself. Why are we not putting our cares on God instead of going to something of the world that will leave you hanging every time? You, put, you try to drown your sorrows in something else, they're going to be right there when you get sober. But if you put your sorrows on God, if you come to God and say, God, I can't handle this. I need you to help me. One thing I've always found out, that I never had a hangover afterward. And I always had peace. I always had joy. And He restored my hope. <laughs> if you, write this down, if you're looking for Scriptures or verses to appease your flesh, then it's a good indicator that you're living in the flesh more than you're living in the Spirit. See, this is what people do. They get into the Bible. Now just bear with me for a second. They get into the Bible, and they try to manipulate the Word to fit what they want. Let me tell you something about the Word of God. Let me tell you something. I'm going to help you out in here tonight. If you want something bad enough... You can twist this word to make it seem as if you can have it. I got about one amen. But it's the truth. People have got in the word and say, well, you know what? It doesn't really say this and it don't, it don't really quite fully say that. So you know what? I take that as a license that it's okay. See, if, you, if, if you're always reading the word for something to tickle your flesh, to appease your flesh, you're in trouble. See, there used to be a time in the church where people would come to the altar and say, God, get stuff out of me. Oh, you see, you don't hear people pray that no more. We want to hear people praying, God, bless me. God, I need a new house. I need a new car. I need, I need my destiny fulfilled. No, that's what we pray now. But there was a time in the church where people were praying, God, make me clean. Make me holy. I don't want to stay the way that I am. So cut this thing out of me. Get it out of me. Crucify this flesh. So quit looking to the Bible to appease your flesh. Let me go on. How many is enjoying this? Yeah. James 1.5, or 1.15, excuse me. Then when lust have conceived, it brings forth what? Sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth what? Death. 
Maybe you're in here tonight and you've heard all this information or watching on TV or watching on Facebook. Maybe you've heard all this information and you're saying in here, you know, this is nice, but I can control myself. Right? I know when to say no. How many has ever heard that? One, I, I, don't, I can control my, I can have one or two glasses every so often and I'm okay. I can say no. Right? Well, I'm going to humor tonight Mr. and Mrs. Control. I'm going to humor you tonight. <laughs> and let's just say in here tonight that you can limit yourself. Let's say that Mr. and Mrs. Control can always say no. When they're ready to stop, they're ready to stop. And, and they don't have no issue with it, no problem. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. <laughs> what if your child can't? Boy, that hit home, didn't it? I don't see no wrong. I don't see nothing wrong with having a drink here and there. I can always control myself. I don't ever get drunk. I don't ever do this, and I feel okay. But I have a peace with God. You can, you can't judge me. You can't do that. I know who I'm. I know who I am, and I know I'm a child of God. Blah 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 blah. But let me ask you a question. See, your child sees you. And they follow your actions. So if they see mom and daddy coming to church, getting their praise on, saying they love Jesus, going home, kicking back, and having a beer, having a glass of wine, they're going to follow that footstep. Don't be fooled. They're going to follow you. Okay, now my question is, what if your child doesn't have that control? What if your child, when they grow up, or even in their teenage years, can't say no to one drink, two drinks? What if it goes to such a degree that it grips them that they got to find something else because now alcohol's not doing it enough? So now they got to go to appeal. Now they got to go to something, smoke it, and something, shoot it in their veins. I'm wanting to pause here because I'm wanting you to get this. See, this is the deception of sin, is that we think that we can allow one thing and control it. We can allow one thing and control another. This is the deception. Oh, you know, well, I would never do this right here, but I don't see nothing wrong with this right here. But guess what happens? I said sin takes you further than what you want to go. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And you can laugh at me and, and, and throw this whole message away, but let me tell you what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen right here. That very thing that you said you would never do, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Why? Because sin has no limits. Any kind of sin has no limits. For you to come here and say, I see nothing wrong. I can have one or two drinks and that's fine. I can limit myself. Well, who made you the limiter? Number two, what makes you think that it's going to stop there? Write this down. Mm -mm. What you don't deal with, your child will have to deal with it. Hey, 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 somebody talk to me tonight. What you don't deal with, your child will have to. And guess what? It's always with more severity. Always. If daddy was a drunk, by the time it gets to the child... Maybe daddy wasn't a drunk to his mid-30s, mid-40s. By, by the next generation, it's in the 20s. Why? Because the Bible says the devil knows that his time is short. He knows it's short. So he don't have time to play games. So each generation, guess what? Time's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So guess what? The devil's got to work harder and harder and harder. That's why the Bible says as time would go on, evil would wax worse. 
So what you don't think is a problem or an issue is going to turn into something nasty for your child. My question tonight is this. Can you live with that? Can you live with that? Let me tell you something about my dad. I was going to get him to come up here and testify. But let me just say, how, how much do you used to drink? 13 years old. He drunk every day from the time he was 29 years old. How many, how many cases did you go through a day? That's too much math for me. <laughs> two, two, two cases of beer a day. Listen to this. Two cases of beer a day. Two or three bottles of wine or liquor. You name it. But guess what? He made a decision one day. And this whole, this whole junk that the world feeds you, it's a disease you can't stop it. You can't do this. You can't. Let me tell you something. When you grab a hold of the power of God, you can stop it. You can stop it. He made up his mind one day. This cannot continue. I've got to deal with this. Why? Because had he not dealt with it. How many years has it been since you drunk? 22 years. When he, he don't miss it. He can go around it and say, he don't say, oh man, I wish I could have a drink. No. But guess what? I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Watch this. And I'm going to encourage parents in here today. Watch this. Because he dealt with it. I never tasted a drop of it. There was your chance to give God some praise and you missed it. I never tasted a drop. Why? Because he dealt with it. Let me ask you a question. Had he not dealt with it, what would have happened to me? I'm not saying that God doesn't have mercy on people and, and people don't have their own life. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm telling you that you have a big, big influence on your child. So if you want to be smart in here and say, well, you know what, I can control myself. I don't see nothing wrong with it. Well, let me tell you something. Your child might not be saying those things. One day your child might be coming to you and say, Mom, Dad, I need help. I can't control this. This is overtaking me. And I don't know how to get free. Things we're fighting today. I want you to see this now. Things we're fighting today, past generations, never dreamed of happening. Never dreamed of it. Never even crossed their mind. Things we're fighting today. Why? Because evil is waxing worse. But you see, guess what happens? When you allow one sin, you operate in a Pandora's box. One thing after another, after another. See, watch this. When they legalized gay marriage, did you notice what happened next? Pedophiles begin to come forth and say, I have a right to love whoever I want to. Did you see that? And what are you going to say? No, you don't. When you just gave a right to somebody else. What I'm trying to get to point to you tonight is this. This whole mindset of I can allow one thing and control another does not work. The wages of sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. You're always going to want something more. You're always going to have to have a bigger high. You're always going to have to go deeper. It's never going to be enough. That's what's with sin. Galatians 5.16 This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the what? Lust of the flesh. 
Everything the devil, write this down, everything the devil does is a counterfeit and he mimics God. Drugs, sex, alcohol, all these things, you know what they're meant to do? They are meant to possess you, to take your thought life, to, to, uh, to run your life. Because that's exactly what God does for us, right? We are filled with His Spirit. That means He controls our thought life. He controls our mindset. He, our will is in His hands. It's not our will be done, it's His will be done in us. The devil wants to mimic that. So what does he use? He uses different things like this, like alcohol. To do what? I read it to you. Possess, body take. Because just as you're possessed with the Spirit of God, just as you're to be controlled by the Spirit of God, now, now this ain't something out of exorcist. This is something great. You want to know why? Because when you're possessed with the Spirit of God, you're possessed with love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. But when you're, when you're possessed by the avenues that the enemy uses in the world, it produces wrath, anger, lasciviousness, meaning lust, lustful play, all these different things, hatred, you name it. That's what it produces. So the enemy is always mimicking. I want to ask you a question tonight. Why does the church seem powerless? Let's be real. There's more supernatural going on in the world than there is in the church. Y'all better talk to me. There you go. Why is the church... The, the church used to be at a place where if you wanted to see the supernatural, all you had to do was go to the church. You would see the Spirit of God moving. You would know that God is real. You would see the manifestations that would blow your mind. But now, guess what? You can't find it hardly in the church. You want to know why? Cheryl just answered that. We're too busy seeking to see how much we can be like the world and still love Jesus. That's what... The church today, that's what we spend all of our energy and time on. How far can we get out there? How much can we do and still say to the world, we have something you don't have? And you know what the world is doing? They're laughing. You're clubbing just like me. You're drinking just like me. You're doing all these different things just like me. How are you going to tell me that you got something different? Let me tell you when the church will come back to power. I'm not talking about individual church. I'm talking about church as a whole. When will the body of Christ come back to power? When we, when we quit trying to spend all our time trying to be like the world. When God never called us to be like the world. He said, be a peculiar people. You know what that means? The world looks at you and says, they're strange. They're just strange. He said, come out from among them and be you a what? Separate people. How can I offer the world something they don't have if I'm doing everything the world does? <laughs> so let me ask you a question. <laughs> so you're telling me that drinking, which the world loves... How many knows the world loves drinking? Oh, they love it. So much that they spend hundreds of billions of dollars a year. That's facts. Hundreds of billions of dollars a year on it. So you're going to tell me something that the world loves, that spends multi-billion dollars on, is something that is common with our walk with the Spirit of God? Let the elevator go to the top. Come on. Let's let it go to the top. Listen, Jesus said, the world will hate you. They ain't going to be hating you when you're sipping one at the bar with them. If the world loves to do it, should that not be an indicator 
that maybe, just maybe, it's not of God. Mm. Here's the argument. I'm, I'm coming to a close, I promise. Here's the argument that people make. Well, you know, brother, I'm not perfect. You know, I'm not per- I'm not per- nobody perfect. You can't, you can't lecture me because you ain't perfect. I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. Your granny not perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's the argument we want to make, right? But I'm going to show you a difference. I'm going to show you a difference. Come here, Stevie. Come on, sweet. I'm going to show you all a difference. None of us are perfect, but every one of us should be perfecting. You see that? Because the day will come, guess what? When I will be perfect. The, The day will come when you will be perfect. Until that day, you are to spend your days perfecting yourself. Somebody say amen with you with me. So what people need to understand that there is a difference between living in sin and falling into sin. Somebody say there's a difference. Alright, here's what I want you to do. Now you get ready to catch yourself. I want you to fall down. Just fall. Look at that. Now watch this. Watch. What did he just do? He fell into something. He was was making his way to that wall, but guess what? He fell. But somebody who's perfecting their self in Christ, you know what they're going to do? Get back up. Dust yourself off. Now go. Y'all see that? Hold on, I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. He said, I didn't sign up for this tonight. Now, that was somebody who made a mistake. <clears throat> Do we all make mistakes? But we don't live in them. Oh. Here's the difference, okay? Here's what most people want to do. All right? Fall down. Now roll. Now drink your lemonade. And at the same time say, I'm not perfect. Now, you know I'm not perfect. You know, everybody's got issues. everybody got issues. You know, you can't, don't judge me. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know that everybody's got stuff in the closet. Y'all see how stupid it is? Okay, I just wanted y'all to get that. That's the difference. Go ahead, give God some praise. That's the difference. It's not the fact of whether you fell into sin. It's are you living there? Are you living there? (laughs) I'm not perfect, but I'm perfecting. I may have... Oh, yeah. Come back up here one more time. Just one more time. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Start over there. Now follow him with the camera. Watch this, watch this. Here's what perfecting as a Christian means. He's not perfect, but he's perfecting. All right. No, 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 don't fall, don't fall. Don't fall, don't fall. Now remember last time he fell right here. But jump around it. Oh, did y'all see that? This time he didn't fall. You want to know why? Because he's perfecting. He's maturing. He didn't make the same mistake. Now you can be seated. That's, that is the Christian walk. You staying here using this as a card, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. So I'm going to keep doing these things. I'm perfecting. Somebody say with me, I'm perfecting. I'm perfecting. Whether you like it or not, the day will come where I will be perfect. Somebody say, hey. I will be perfect. With that day when I meet Jesus Christ, I will be perfected in Him. But until that day, I'm going to be learning. I'm going to be learning what not to do and what to do. Hallelujah. And let me tell you something. This whole notion, where well, you can't understand what I'm going through unless you've been through it. 
I don't have to make the same mistake that you had to not have mercy on you. You hear what I just said? I may not have went through the same struggle that you did, but I can still have mercy on you. I could still have I could still pick you up and say, "Hey man, you could go at this again." Here's my last point. And somebody come up and play the piano or something. Here's my last point. Let God cut things of the world out of your life. Give him praise. Give him praise. Now, tonight, unless you're really stubborn and you want to hold on to the bottle, you have no defense. I told you I was going to lay it all out for you. I told Stephen last night, I said, I got things that's going to cross your eyes. There's no ground we have to stand on. So what we got to do? Let God cut things out. I'm not here to condemn you. Do you know that's what judging really is? It's condemning you. Telling you the truth is not judging you. Y'all should have shouted right there. I just said, all y'all free. But saying, hey, you going to go to hell? I know you're going to hell. There ain't nothing you can do about it. That's judging you. I've pronounced judgment. But for me to go up to a brother or sister that I see that's doing wrong, say, hey, man. It don't belong in your life. That's not judging you. That's loving you. Give God praise for this. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.